Good morning, happy Saturday. I'm Greg, and welcome to the Daily Bible Wrap-Up. I want to apologize for yesterday's quality of the stream and the recording. We're not really sure exactly what happened. It looked like that there might have been some significant internet congestion during upload, and that reduced the quality of the recording. So we are looking into it, and... We might end up doing a few things to help mitigate the risk of that happening again. We start today, we're in Psalm 81, verses 8 through 16, and really the directive here is laid out pretty clearly in verse 9. Quote, you must never have a foreign God. You must not bow down before a false God. And then verse 12, sort of the effect of doing the bowing down to a false god. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Now we're going to see this actually in the Old Testament readings later on um, about what happens because, spoiler alert, Israel falls. But we'll get to that in just a few minutes. So, but the psalm goes on to say that if only they would listen, God would fight for them. Just listen, obey. Otherwise, God removes protection you know and i always like to take items from back then and stuff in the bible and and try to apply it to today and i think many wonder today if there is a god because of all the evil and violence in the world do you hear it it's like well how would how could god allow this to happen well i we have the answer actually in the bible and that's what we're talking about today I say that we, just like the Israelites back then, we brought it all on ourselves. We try to write the rules. And, you know, a lot of people will say, show me a miracle and I'll believe. It That's not what we're taught in Scripture. Stories and accounts that have formed the foundation for much of our society for thousands of years. Then they scoff because in their hearts they don't really want to believe. So it's 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 like, they're like, okay, show me a miracle, nothing happens. Well, you know, there, there's no God. But they don't really want to believe because believing involves obedience. It involves living for God as opposed to living for self, which I think people see that almost like as a too much of a sacrifice, a prison. It's like, it's my life. I'll do what I please. Well, that's fine. Yes, you're given free will. I think that maybe one of the misconceptions is that people think that they would feel constrained if they give their life to God. And it's really just the exact opposite. It frees you, but you, you have to walk down that path. They criticize those who will literally not bow down before their gods that they have created. We've seen this. We've seen the whole, um, I, you know, the pressures to kneel before some thing other than God. And I think this is a test of faith. I think that we need to stand strong in that conviction, no matter how uncomfortable it becomes. And I think an excellent way to do that is what we're doing today. A few minutes a day in the word helps give you that strength. It does for me. I do this 
early in the morning, I'm looking at my computer clock and it is 5.30 a.m. And actually, I've been up for over an hour and a half. I did spend some time prior to reading and writing, I spent a little bit some time on the technical side, seeing if I could actually recover a better recording and upload it to replace the yesterday issue. I can't do that. It's I'm letting it go. But um, if you begin each day in the word, when we're suddenly presented with a choice, and it's usually pressure, there's a lot of peer pressure going on. It's like in a lot of group things saying, you know, oh, okay, you know, everybody else is doing this and they're saying I have to do this, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. If you're in the word daily, you have the strength to remind yourself what you're being called to do and how to resist that. It really boils down to either follow along or follow God. And the correct choice is the latter, unless the crowd is following God, and therefore you get two for one right there, right? But the more you spend time in the Word, at least for me, the more I spend time in the Word, the more that I have that strength. It really opens up your eyes, too, to a lot of what's going on in the world as well. Speaking about going on in the world, we go over a few centuries now ahead to New Testament. We're in Acts 26, verse 24. So Festus says that Paul's insane for his testimony about this whole resurrection thing and, and all of that. But Paul stayed firm and all agreed, actually, that Paul had done nothing wrong to deserve death or imprisonment. Yet he could not be set free because he had already appealed to Caesar. So it was like, sorry, you've already um, kind of written what's going to end up happening. So they're going to have to make the trip. Paul is loaded on a transport ship. We're in Acts 27 now with other prisoners bound for Italy. Now, we is in this text. So what does that tell you? It tells you that, or it tells me that Luke is with them. Now, I'm not sure about his role. Is Luke also a prisoner, or is he sent there maybe to support Paul morally? Or is he there to care for Paul's health? He's a doctor, a physician, after all. Now, the writings continue with very detailed um, items of the trip and where they stop, changing boats, that sort of thing. But the, the main takeaway here is that the trip was slower than they had originally scheduled because of headwinds. And they had already started late, and it was late in the fall. And Paul's warning of a danger of a shipwreck ahead because of the impending weather. I'm assuming that the weather gets a lot more violent um, as you head into winter in that part of the world. Now, most of the crew, because of that reason, they realize they're probably not going to make it to Italy before um, the weather's going to say you got to stay put for a few months. And so they wanted to bypass Fair Havens because that was an exposed harbor and go on to Phoenix as its harbor had only exposure to the southwest and northwest. So I'm assuming that, okay, if we just push on a little bit further, then we're going to find a much better place. We'll find out what happens tomorrow, right? Because now it's time to go to Old Testament. We're in 2 Kings 16. Been doing this for a while, but the story's about to flip. 
So stay tuned. Ahaz ruled Judah 16 years and did not do what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. So now this is Judah not doing what's pleasing in the Lord's sight. He offered sacrifices at pagan shrines and even sacrificed his own son. During this time, King Pekah of Israel joined with King Rezin of Aram and attacked Israel and besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. And during all this, the king of Eden recovered Elath for Edom. So now some land is being taken away. Ahaz hired with gold and silver from the temple and the palace treasury. It seems like that when needed, there's there's funds there. I guess it's replenished from the people. Well, they they uh, they hire Assyrian forces to repel the attackers, and in an attempt in an attempt also to emulate the strength of Assyria after that repelling is successful, Ahaz he's like, "What do you worship?" And because I get the sense that. The culture back then is that those who worshipped the right God were the ones that were successful in battle. And so Ahaz is just like, well, I want us to be successful. So Ahaz checks out what the altars are that they have there and all that. And, uh, and then ends up basically abandoning God. He replicated Assyria's altars and did some other sacrificing that was not what was instructed. Meanwhile, in 2 Kings 17, Hosea ruled Israel for nine years and did evil in the Lord's sight, but not as evil as the kings before him. Now, King Shadmanesir of Assyria, now this is a different king than before, so... um not really sure about how many years have gone past here, attacked King Hosea, resulting in extortion of tribute. But when Hosea stopped paying the tribute, he was captured and imprisoned. So, so um, the uh, ruling seat of Israel, which is uh, Samaria, fell and the people of Israel were expelled to Assyria. So this is it. Israel is done. Quote, this disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worshiped other gods, end quote. God had been patient for many generations before removing his protection. It's, it's, there's a, there's a listing of all of the things that God had done and, and the message through the prophets and all of this. And, Finally, it just seems that God was just like, you know what? I'm not going to help you anymore. I'm not going to fight your battles. So only the tribe of Judah remained at this point in time. Uh, foreigners settled in Israel. And it's curious. This is the end of the readings for today. Uh, hopefully you're following along. Uh, it's curious that God gave the foreigners the chance to possibly become his people, but they didn't fully comply out the gate. So the the foreigners moving in were instructed on how the previous residents had worshipped and who they had worshipped. And they're like, they adopted some of the practices, but really didn't get away from the practices that they did themselves. And so, and I'm reading that as God giving a chance. It's just like, okay, so those coming into the promised land, I'm going to give you another shot or I'm going to give you a shot. And they just 
it never took hold. Anyway, that's it for today. I hope that you walk by the Spirit today. Helps with deflecting temptation. Stay in the Word. I also hope that this episode has less technical issues than last time. Take care. Thank you.